Let's do this. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. How's everybody doing? It is Wednesday hump day. You are uh, really, you're halfway through the week because you've probably eaten your lunch by now. If you're not, uh, if you haven't, that's 1 o'clock. There's some late eaters. Blaine, you know me. Like, I just start to crash if I don't eat. I can remember (laughs) sitting at work, you know, different jobs that I had where it wasn't a radio type job where I was in the same place all day and. And there'd be that gal or that guy, and he'd be sitting there about 2.15 or something. I guess I should get something to eat. I'm like, I'd be dead by now. I'd be so worthless if I didn't eat. I just, my body is like a car. It's like a finely tuned automobile. I need fuel. You know, I got to go. Do you have to have breakfast and lunch, or or can you not, you can just go without breakfast? Oh, no, I have to eat every meal that's available all the time. Me too. I'm that way too. Yeah, sometimes when I am not even hungry, I'm just conditioned to eat. Even if it's something like, even if it's just a yogurt, a banana, something, I got to eat something. Well, remember once upon a time, everybody said, you keep eating all the time a little bit, and that'll keep your metabolism going. Remember oh, they that, did. that yeah, was a big thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm is, way ahead is, that, my... is that still true or no? No, I think now they tell you, you got to fast if you, you know, that's oh. how you got to do it. You got to not eat. So, See, this uh, is where guys like the complete me complete opposite. Get, yeah, yes. I just get. Yes. Don't eat this, all the time. I get truly confused. So they've lied to us all this time now. Mm-hmm. Total 180. Yeah. How can we crazy? get, though, like, how could science be so far off that a few years down the road they're like, remember all that stuff we said, we've been telling you to do this? Don't do that. Do the opposite. No, Go, like, uh, nine hours and don't eat a thing. That's how you fix it. Don't eat. <laughs> After we told you, eat, like, eat a small meal every three or four hours. No. Take that food that we told you to pre-cook in your Tupperware bowls so you'd have ten small meals. No. Go throw that away because you're not supposed to eat for nine hours today. I don't get it. How does science go from that far? And I'm not trying to get started on science here, but like food science, let's say. How do we go from one side to the other so quickly? Uh, Titans need to go from one side to the other really quickly. 38 to 13 is in the rearview mirror. They are back at practice today. We've talked a lot about flushing, but not forgetting. Uh, one of the things that's going to have to happen, though, Blaine, Amani Hooker had a pretty nice start, and that dude's on IR now. So, Bradley yeah, McDougal, step on up. Yeah. Uh oh, so that uh, so that means Crookshank's still gonna be the backup. That's probably what that's gonna mean. Yeah. Mm, okay. <clears throat> yeah. Mm. Going with the experience there, Bradley McDougald. Uh, yeah, he's a solid player. Solid. Yeah. Yeah. He's know. played a lot. Um, he's played thirty years old. He's played one hundred and six games. He started eighty two games for five franchises over eight NFL seasons. I wrote this down. He was a starter for Seattle for three years. Oh, so yeah, he has a lot of insight to. Uh, uh, McCaff, Metcalf, or Lockett, or Russell Wilson. Oh, I, I, I hope he just doesn't tell him the the total truth. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he looks like a beast. And Metcalf, he's big, strong, and fast. I don't know what we're going to do with him. Just to be honest with you, I couldn't do anything with him in practice, so I've, I'm fully expecting him to just he'd crush us. Seriously, what guys go to other teams, and sometimes in the middle of the season, you'll see some free agent dude, and he gets picked up by a team. It just so happens, you know, like the Dolphins will sign an ex-Patriot the week they play the Patriots, things mm-hmm. like that. How much can those guys tell you? Because I know they can tell you, this was our check for this. this. When we saw this look, this is what we went to. Do NFL teams kind of change that stuff? Would they change some stuff year to year just so you couldn't switch teams and go, here's everything they do? Well, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to give you two different versions of it. When I was with the Titans, you know, someone gave us, like, the checks, you know, a former player, you know, on that current team. And then we went out there, and they were prepared for it all, and they duped us. Right. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, I'm never going to do that again. Okay. Yeah, I was honed in. I had everything memorized. It was like a cheat sheet. Yes. All right. So I get to Philly, 
I'm in, I'm on Philly. We're playing the Titans. And I don't I don't I, here's what I did just from that experience. I said, "Well, can you help us out on the offense?" I said, "Uh 27 left, 27 right." That's, that's uh, you need to be ready for that then uh McNair scrambling. How good is Steve? uh you know, no, they didn't ask how Steve. They said, "How good is Eddie George?" I said, "As good as that film says." Yeah, that's it. I gave him nothing. I said, "Watch the tape." I said, "But uh yeah, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. I mean, like, like I hope y'all not, you know, thinking, you know, because there he's, you know, he's from that kind of area, Philly, yeah. New Jersey. Yes. And I was like, well, yeah, he's he's really good now, but you know, hey, he's just like all the rest of the big backs, right? Yeah. So he's, you know, he's not, not, not yeah, it's no different than the other big backs that are really good that's <laughs> in the league, you know. I mean, you know, so that's kind of how I view. It. I said, oh yeah, he runs about as good as like Corey Dillon. <laughs> They're like, oh, they did exactly what you did. Oh, oh, oh. You, you've told but, stories but with, about with, with a little more speed. So I was just, there you go. So that's it. So I, I would never, because if you step in that puddle, now you're going to live, and then they're going to come back and say, hey, man, what did you, you told us the wrong stuff. No, that's what they did there. They were prepared. So I just told them, hey, man, check out the film. The guys are as good as the film says. When the game started, did they do some of the same? Would you of the Titans? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they did. Okay. Well, they did They did everything normal. Uh, they tried to dupe me. They, they tried to dupe me. They tried to play extra pass because they thought I was going to try to go up there and run up there and just knock everybody out. Right. And I didn't. Because guess what? You studied. Any, any re- no, I did not. No. <laughs> no, I, 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 oh, I mean, you had studied, well, I studied that for already. Years. Yeah, yeah. But, but that, that no, Wednesday at practice, I was in the backfield and they throwing over the top of my head. <laughs> Thursday, I'm halfway okay. and they throwing over my head. Andy Reese said, hey, man, I'm going to get you to slow down. That was the only week that I practiced by full speed. <laughs> so by, by Friday, I was calmed down and playing the safety and too deep and, and just staying in my lane and doing my job Yeah, because he knew it was going to be emotional. He, he had a conversation with me. Hey, this game is going to be emotional, so you need to taper that emotion down and just remember it's just another team. And that really helped me out a lot. It really did. Because emotionally, I would have been just, oh, man, I would have run around with my head cut off out there. So, yeah, it was a good day for me. I mean, we lost, so, but yeah, so it didn't feel so good, but, yeah. So that's how you got to be when you're a player going to another team. That's that's what I learned. Some people will be like, no, nah, I'm telling them everything. Because when we used to get, like, even scouting reports from other players, and I'd be like, you said that guy runs a 4-6, man. Hey, I watched him on tape. That 4-6 is running by a lot of people. Right. I said, so maybe he he runs a four or five with equipment on. Right. He's football fast. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. game day speed is different than at practice. You know, so it's just kind of hard to lean on. Just still go on what you're seeing and believe it uh, as a player through the videotape that you're studying. Yeah. I would imagine the things mostly that that guy could help, especially starting there in three years, would be the things you talked about where he could tell you things about individuals. Hey, man, he really likes to get the ball here. Yeah. Hey, you know, on a dig route, he'll he'll do this instead of this. You know, he'll run this. Just giving you some individual traits. Because like you said, they can always change keys and they can change their plays. Things that, you know, adjustments that, that they would do at the line of scrimmage. But he could probably give you some stuff like, I'll tell you what that dude has. Oh, yeah, individual yeah. breakdown of yeah. the individual as a player. Yeah. They can, that, and that should be on point all the time. But some guys, even if you're with a team long, they just kind of really just play because they think it's just practice. They're not really evaluating. It was just part of my DNA. Just for me, I was evaluating everybody, especially the skill guys. Mm-hmm. 
I'm a, I was always, yeah, that's just, it was, the, you know, I want, I want, I kept a scouting report on every player. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to have that cheat sheet to make me feel comfortable. Uh, so, yeah. 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 I had the, the cheat sheet on Frank Wycheck. Yeah. Was it, oh, he's a, he's going to be a great route runner. He's going to give you something and then try to take it away. He's going to run the whip and run the out. So then I learned how to play that at practice. So I knew that would never be a problem. If I can guard Frank Wycheck on these whip routes, and nobody in the NFL is going to give me any problem. Mm. Yeah, see, that's that's yeah, that's for these small intermediate routes. Mm-hmm. But that's you using practice, not just to learn a game plan or something for that week. That's you using practice. You're playing chess instead of checkers. Like, okay, all right, Frank. Okay, here's what we'll do. Oh, because he was toasting me at first. Yeah, yeah, like everybody else. <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, 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 oh, that that ain't gonna keep happening there. He he's going to get lost because tight ends are catching eight hundred, nine hundred, a thousand oh, right, balls right. now. He's going to get lost in the numbers game, but oh, doing his era, doing his time, he was one of the best. I mean, he had five hundred catches when tight when tight ends didn't have five hundred catches. Frank Wycheck had five hundred catches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the game's just changed so much. But boy, he was that dude was good, and yeah. and that guy was well, he was such a security blanket for McNair for all those years. Like he knew where eighty nine was going to be, yeah. and they have a pretty good tight end, Seattle. So yeah. we're going to go back there. Everett, man, underrated, yeah. very good athlete, can run. Uh, he was with the Rams last year, uh, get, got a little banged up over the last couple of years, but, man, he's a handful. They got a good running back, two really good receivers, and we all know what Russell Wilson. So this is going to be a tough task. So, yeah. <laughs> Oof, I mean, tough. That's interesting. Based off what we saw, is this a tougher task than this past week as far as the offense? you know, the offense that you're facing. I don't know. Hopkins, uh, <laughs> A.J. Green. I, I still going to give it. I'm still going to give it to, to Seattle. Okay. I, I, yeah, just because no, of their experience. That's not good news. <laughs> but no, no. Now, here's the, yeah, the difference is yeah. they're not going to come out flat and lay an egg. Well, they, they're not. They're going to give their best punch, and if they lose that way, you can live with that as an athlete. Really. I mean, for me, it was always if I my preparation, if I got beat for a touchdown, it was all because he beat me because he was just a better athlete on that play. Right. I couldn't have done anything else technically wise, uh, you know, to make a play. Yeah, could I strip the ball? But if he jumps, you know, I, you know, I got beat by Randy Moss. He, I jump up and I'm like looking at the ball, barely go over my fingertips in the back of the end zone, and I go, "There's no way Randy Moss can get to this ball." He jumps up and sticks his long paw out there, one arm, and one hands it, and toe taps on the sideline, just like Hopkins. And I'm turning around while I'm coming down, looking at him, and see him doing it. And I I wish I was close enough to just punch him in his gut. (laughs) Maybe he would have dropped it, but I wasn't. So, yeah, I might have done it if I was close, too. And I'm just like, man, there's nothing. I I couldn't have done anything. So then I, I, I walked to the sideline with, like, you know, like, Hey, he, he was a better player than me right there. Yeah. Obviously, he is a better player than a lot of people because he's in all fame. But. Straight to the Hall of Fame for that guy. Yeah. What did you say, Lucas? So there's a word for that. Yeah. What's that? Got mossed. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. I got mossed. Literally, it's a term. Thank you, Lucas. Yeah. yeah, it's a whole segment yeah. on the Monday night show. Yeah, I, I was I was, I was, was still a little perturbed, though. Yeah. I, was, I know you got him back. Eh, not really. No. Yeah, that was one it? of those ones because that was more of a touchdown, and he and at that time he was still young in his career. Yeah, I think it might have been his third year. And based off my study habits of what they like to utilize him as, he ran most of his routes outside the numbers. 
So he never ran a crossing route. He may have ran a dig or two here or there, but right. he was basically isolated outside uh, because they knew he was such a phenomenal athlete and he was so fast. So it was one of those coverages where, uh, you know, we were like in the 25 and there's no, uh, you know, we got, we had to play a little bit of zone. Uh, yeah. And so I thought I had X'd off the back of the end zone, especially with my vertical. Right. <laughs> Boy, I was like, how the heck he got to throw that? And I'm getting this. And then when it went on, I was like, oh, man, this is. This guy. Well, you so that's me. what they're going to face. Yep. A guy like Metcalf yes. yeah. and Lockett, a speed demon. Run These right guys are going to yeah. – they, they present problems in certain instances where you're going to lose some of those battles just based off of Metcalf's size. But you got to be technical. And you don't try to battle his strength with their strength. Right. You know, I was watching the Eagles game when he played uh, – Metcalf played the Eagles. You know, the corner – and he's a real good corner. Try to go at him physically. Why? 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 You, you, yeah, you want to show him you're a man? Yeah, uh, okay, yeah, I'm going to show you how tough. Guess what I want to show him is that I'm real good. I'm smart, man, and you're not catching no balls over here. Mm-hmm. I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a, I'm a use my feet to beat you. Yeah, and Lockett, I may try to get physical with Lockett because one of the best deep ball catchers alive. So let's. how can I slow this little cat down right. early? Because then if I get in a foot race, I lose. Right. I lose. So you got to have this strategy. I think a lot of... Guys, don't come in with strategies. They just come in like, I'm going to do what I do, and that's it. Well, I mean, every game's a different game in its own. Maybe you do some press bell. Show them a little something that you hadn't done. Yeah, they, like, like the Titans, DBs. Everybody always asks me every week, every time I walk in a restaurant somewhere, why are they playing 8 to 10 yards off? And I'm tired of coming up with different answers for them. So I just say, hey, man, you're supposed to come in with a game plan. Now, you know what they do. Do press bell. You can play off, right. and you can play, you know, uh, <laughs> You know, press. Mm-hmm. You can't just line up and do the same thing every play. These guys are too good. How about this? I'm going to line up 10 yards away from Metcalf or Lockett, and I'm going to just let him run at me full speed with his speed and think I'm a cover. Yeah, that ain't happening. Going deep. All right. <laughs> I'm going to catch that guy turning around with him having a 10-yard head start. Nope. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> so, you know, you got to come up with some different plans to – plan of attack for your individual battles. Uh, so that, that to me is the, the key to a lot of player success. Well, we'll get into a lot more of that today. You want to sound off on something. You want to talk about what you've seen. Uh, Mark Spain, real estate hotline. I'll get you to a 615-737-1045. Rumor has it, Jimmy Himes is set to talk to us today next. So stick around. We'll all find out if that's true. Hope to talk balls with Jimmy Himes next. Blaine and Mickey. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Let's go to Knoxville now. Let's talk to our guy, Jimmy Himes. Jimmy, we missed you yesterday, man. I'm glad we're getting to connect today. Hope all is well. All is well. That was 100% my fault. I apologize for that. I got tied up with some things, put my phone on silent. But I am glad that I'm able to join you today, so I apologize. Oh, man, we blame Lucas for all the things that go wrong, and you just gave him a, an out on this it, one. It was, it was Lucas's fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, nah, just kidding, Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy Himes, our guest. I, I, I wanted to start with this, Jimmy, because it was such an interesting game. Did you leave that game thinking, gosh, this, is, this team has all kinds of talent. They're, you, know, you don't commit three turnovers. You don't commit 13 penalties. 
they beat those guys because I'll tell you, I'm asking you this from a journalist's point of view because I saw my neighbor outside in his UT hat after the game and he was just walking in circles. And I said, you got to feel good though, right? They got some talent. He goes, I feel bad because it's the same result that it always seemed to be. But maybe there is a silver lining, right? I thought there was a silver lining. Uh, you touched on a couple of things. You get beat three zip and turnovers. You, you commit 13 penalties. You have a touchdown nullified by a block in the back. You twice get inside the five-yard line without scoring a touchdown. You miss open receivers downfield multiple times. And uh, yet there you are with a chance to win the football game with five minutes left. Uh, my takeaway on that is if you had played a relatively clean game, you beat Pitt. Now, a lot of times when I analyze a team, I look at their potential and see if they can reach it. And, and the potential to me for Tennessee is actually pretty good. If they can eliminate a lot of those mistakes, I think they can be a pretty good football team. But I like the design of what they did. I mean, you saw the, the receivers running wide open. That's pretty good play calling and scheme and design. Uh, I also think the run defense is pretty good, too. They've done a nice job in that regard. Uh, but they, the one thing that's without argument, I don't think, they've got to get better play quarterback. That, that's going to be a key going forward. But I was actually more encouraged, even in that defeat, uh, than, I, than I've been about Tennessee in a while. Because here's the other thing, too. You got down a couple of touchdowns multiple times in the second half, and you didn't throw in the towel. You fought back. You gave yourself a chance to win. And I and I don't in the past under Jeremy Pruitt when they got down they they weren't coming back and now they have an offense that allows them to rally if they do fall behind by a couple of touchdowns. Yeah, they definitely if they got down under Pruitt they finished the job and got blown out. Uh, it seems like more often than not. So, how is Joe Milton doing? Do you know? And then B, let's say that he is healthy. Is he the best option at quarterback for this team, or do they need to call a hooker? I asked Josh Heupel if Milton were ready to go. He said, first off, he said he hadn't named a starting quarterback. And this was on the SEC teleconference a couple hours ago. As far as Joe Milton, he said that um, uh, it remains to be seen whether he'll be available. That makes me wonder how much he's practicing. I think they're going to Hendon Hooker. I think Hooker deserves to start. I thought he played well against Pittsburgh, except for a couple of mistakes. He, that was a bad throw late that was intercepted. He just didn't see the safety. He also had a fumble. Uh, but I, I just think he looked more comfortable at quarterback. He's a better runner than Milton, although Milton can run. I thought he had command of, of the offense. And I think he's Tennessee's best option right now. Now, after the Florida game, I may change my mind. But right now, based on what I've seen, I think he is uh, uh, the best choice. And I just don't know if Milton's ever going to – look, the rap on him at Michigan was he was inaccurate. He didn't have very good touch in his decision-making. Well, those things have shown up again at Tennessee. I don't know if he can get out of it. Look, the guy is immensely talented, but he's not a really good quarterback right now, in my opinion. Jimmy Himes, our guest here on the Blaine and Mickey show, talking Tennessee Vols. Well, Coach, I mean, Jimmy, I, I, most coaches say this about super talented players. You are who you are in year four, and that is actually who Joe Milton is. Yeah, I mean, and so there's no changing and going back. He's shown it again. So when you watch the game, I'm with you. Hooker just looks like the better quarterback. Just imagine this, Jimmy. If you put Pickett on uh, the quarterback for Pittsburgh on UT's team, they blow them out by 30. 
I definitely think Tennessee wins if Pickett's a quarterback. Um, now, here's the one thing, if I were to give Milton a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, I don't know what Michigan asked him to do. I don't know what his reads were. I don't know the scheme. I don't know those things. And conversely, I don't know how it differs from what Tennessee's asking him to do. It is only a two-game sample, but what I've seen in two games, he overthrows. He had receivers running wide open against Bowling Green. He didn't see him, and that gets back to some of your decision-making. It also gets back to seeing the field, and I just um, I just didn't get out of him that, that he's that he's going to be the guy that's a difference-maker for Tennessee at quarterback. So I think you give Hooker a chance. Uh, heck, they may end up giving Harrison Bailey a chance. I, I, I don't know, but – uh, right now, Hooker would be my guy. It would be his to lose right now. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because I'm interested to see, okay, where is Harrison Bailey? Like, he has no shot. He is clearly the number three. Why hasn't he even been given opportunity? What have he shown in practice that he can't even get a shot or a sniff, really, at this point, which he could be a play away going into this game if, if Hooker uh, starts? Well, that's a good question. I, I don't know. So last year, he started three games late in the year, all against SEC teams. He completed about 75% of his passes. He was clearly Tennessee's best quarterback in the spring game. Having said all that, Josh Eiple still went out and found him another quarterback, right? So there must have been something about Bailey and Hooker and, and, and Brian Maurer, who's no longer here, that concerned him. But today, when Heupel was asked about Bailey, he said he's smart, he's competitive, uh, he plays for his teammate, he affects his teammates in a positive way, and he's a really good leader. Now, what he didn't say is he's a great passer. So I don't know what's happened. Uh, we're, we don't have access to practice anymore, and I'm not sure what's going on there. But, but here's the thing that could get really interesting. Let's say you've got a 35 nothing lead on Tennessee Tech, and you say, okay, we're going to put Harrison Bailey in. And he goes 10 for 10 for 200 yards with three touchdowns. Mm. Now what do you got? Mm. <laughs> so <it's laughs> three, three quarterbacks you don't know what to do with? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a real interesting situation that Tennessee has right now. Uh, I know that Heifel keeps saying they got three quarterbacks that they trust. Um, and I'm sure he's got to say that publicly. But I, I just don't know where they are. They're, obviously, they got to get better play quarterback. Maybe Hooker's the answer. Uh, maybe Milton coming off the bench would be the answer. I don't know. They say he completes these passes in practice, but I hadn't seen it in a game yet. And maybe it's Bailey if you give him a chance. I don't know. But I, I, I think the quarterback position at Tennessee is a pretty significant concern right now. I know they all, it's always tough to find out about injuries in, in college, but you know, with the running back, and, and uh, we didn't see Beckwith play at all. I don't know where he's at. Maybe he doesn't understand the – Pass protection pro. I, I thought we may see him a little bit in the rotation in the second half there, uh, uh, with Reich doing the whole all the work as well as Hyatt. Where are we at with Hyatt and, and his health and, and just in general Cooper Mays? I mean, where where are we at? Are they going to let a lot of guys rest this game? What do you think? Well, I think they're going to let a number of guys rest. But Hypo was asked for an injury update today, and he gave nothing. He wouldn't tell us anything about who's out, who's not. Cooper Mays at center, you mentioned him. Jalen Hyatt was hurt. Now, some, a number of these guys I would hold out uh, because it is Tennessee Tech, and I want to make sure they're 100%. Tyon Evans was not injury-related. I expect him back in play, and I don't know if Jabari Small is going to be ready to go. I did have a bit of an issue with the play they ran at the end of the half. If you're doing a give-up play, take a knee. 
don't hand it to your running back, in particular when your other running back is uh, out of the game. I, I didn't really like that, but uh, there are a lot of people that are out uh, that have been injured or banged up, and so we don't know their status, and that includes Joe Milton, but we don't know their status uh, for the game on Saturday, and Hypo won't tell us. And I think what I see out of him is we will not find those things out until about 30 minutes before kickoff. Well, speaking about, you know, kneeling and everything else, what did you think about the fourth down uh, run up the up the middle pretty much? And they have had success with that play actually earlier in the game, right? I didn't like it because, one, it was Jalen Wright who, who may weigh 180 pounds. I don't know. Uh, if, if you run it with Tyon Evans, who's 220, that's a little different. The other thing is, Hypo said they didn't execute the play right. Uh, that tells me that Hooker was probably supposed to keep the ball on that play. And I don't know, I don't, I can't say he'd have scored, but I think he had some room on the outside to get the first down. So, um, but I, I'm not a, well, first off, I'm not a fan of being in the shotgun on, on fourth and a foot. Right. I don't like that. Uh, but a lot of teams are doing it. Tennessee's not the only one that's doing it. Um, a lot of folks do. But uh, I, I thought it was, um, when he handed it off to him up the middle, I'm thinking, uh-oh. And he got stuffed. Uh, but I think Hooker was supposed to keep the football there. I think that's where the lack of execution occurred. Uh, you know, a lot of people are saying that uh, it was a called play, and I don't know if actually Hooker could have pulled it out. And, you know, so I, and that's what they're saying. That, that was a play that they ran earlier. It was a miscue on the blocking assignment more so than it was an option for the quarterback to keep it. So I, I'm not sure what's the answer to that. I'm not either, and the coaches are not going to tell us that. But I, I don't know. Uh, which one it was. I've heard both, and I'm not sure. Obviously, it wasn't blocked well at all. But but here's here's another thing, too, and this is just me, and they don't pay me the big bucks to be a coach, but if I'm in that situation, I'm running an option. I'm not having a pre-planned mm-hmm. call giving it to a freshman running back who's playing his second game. That is not the call I'm making. If I'm making a call like that, my quarterback's going to have an option to keep it or hand off. So, I'm not going to say that that's not what they did, but if that's what the call was, I would strongly disagree with it. We are with the great Jimmy Himes, keeping it real, from Sports Radio WNML in Knoxville. Now, Jimmy, I know at NML you guys have got all the latest technology and you know satellite feeds and everything. Have you seen anything yet, the play before the one that we're talking about, that could convince you that that wasn't a first down? How, how do you miss a spot on a play like that? Uh, good question. Uh, there are a couple of things that work here. So first off, I thought the linesman was a little bit out of position when he spotted it. Secondly, when you've got a situation where it's very close to first down, you don't pick the ball up and throw it toward the hash mark. You measure it where the guy's down. Okay, so that was a procedural error. The replay official should have stopped it to take a look at it to see whether they got the first down. And here's the other thing, and this is a little bit annoying to me, uh, with the uh, For whatever reason, ESPN, the SEC Network, and others have reduced the number of cameras they have at games. There was not a shot down the line going from east to west to tell you where that ball should have been spotted. They did have a camera going from west to east, but the play was so far away you couldn't tell based on that camera. Why in the world do you not have two cameras down there, one going either direction? So that, to me, was another problem that they have. Uh, when you got games of this magnitude, get another camera down there. But they're trying to clean up the sidelines, and they're trying to save money, and so uh, they don't have enough camera angles to give you a great shot. 
Now I'll say this: the first couple of shots I saw were you. They were you could not determine it because they were shots from like the fifty yard line. Right. You can't tell. But there was a still shot that I saw where his feet, his helmet, and the ball were beyond the two yard line. That's the one that convinced me it was a first down. But that is a mistake officials cannot make, and they made several mistakes, including the procedural mistake of picking the football up and throwing it toward the hash mark. Jimmy Himes, our guest. Well, the other thing that I that I'm still my mind is trying to clear up is the whole kick six offsetting penalties and who could have had the ball and what could have happened. If the, uh, that whole thing was absolutely wild, I got that one for you. I got okay, the okay, answer. All right, here here's the deal. So when you have uh, post possession offsetting penalties and both teams accept the penalty, you replay the down. Tennessee could have maintained possession of the football if they had declined the penalty on Pitt. However, if they had declined the penalty, the block in the back occurred on about the 10-yard line, so Tennessee would have taken over on its own five. And Josh Heupel told me when I asked him this, he said, I didn't want it on my own five. I wanted them to re-kick, try field goal, or punt it because I thought the percentages suggested we'd get the ball at better than our own five-yard line. Now, they ended up getting it on the three, so it was a, a two-yard difference. But that's the rule. If Tennessee had declined the penalty, they'd have gotten the ball, but they would have gotten it on their own five-yard line. Man, Jimmy Himes just teaching us today on yeah, Blaine. man, educating us there. Yeah. Hey, just, Jimmy, just one more before we let you go, and that is, man, you know, I was looking at the past two seasons of Hypo at UCF, and those teams gave up a lot. They had a lot of penalties, too, as well. Yep. Uh, so it's kind of following that same uh, mo here uh, with Tennessee, could you know, which cost them really the game to a certain extent, uh, because you never know with those penalties. So is that an issue, just a hypo thing, or is it just coincidental? You think? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. I guess as the season progresses, we'll find out. Uh, but uh, the last couple of years, Central Florida was one of the most penalized teams uh, in the country. Uh, gosh, they ranked. Um, 126 with 92 penalties in 2020, and then 2019 uh, they ranked 127th in penalties. That that's not good. Uh, look, you get you expect some penalties, and when you run a fast-paced offense, I think you're going to get some illegal procedures. But you can't have personal fouls. You can't block in the back. You can't pick somebody up and slam dunk him like you're in a wrestling match. That's illegal. You can't do that. And so they got to be more disciplined. And it cost them, as you pointed out, 13 penalties for 134 yards. They're not good enough to beat a team like Pitt. So it gets back to discipline. And as we proceeded through the, proceed through the season, I want to see what Tennessee does. Do they continue to get double-digit penalties? Or can they cut that number down to a reasonable banner, which is about five or six? But uh, that remains to be seen. But it is alarming when you look at the amount of penalties they had at Central Florida under Josh Heupel. All right, Jimmy, one more. I'm going to try to squeeze this in. And I'm not a coach, and you're not a coach. But, man, they seem to start off like gangbusters in that first quarter. In the second quarter, they seem to just slow down, and maybe they are fatigued from the pace of what, you know, how they're running plays. And maybe that's why they're making mistakes. And maybe they should just kind of slow it down, maybe, and kind of level it off. Not, you know, go like a normal team, but maybe not go quite as fast. I mean, has that ever been asked? You know, I know that's his style, so you could say, well, this is what we do. But at the same time, if you're making mistakes and then there's a grave difference between quarter one and quarter two, 
then obviously you have to start looking at other things. Well, I'm not a coach, but I play one on Saturdays. So, <laughs> yeah, from um, the couch, right? I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's the issue. If it's the issue, why doesn't it show up in the third and fourth quarter? I don't know the answer to that, Blaine. It's a good question. They were awful against Bowling Green in the second quarter. They were awful against Pitt in the second quarter. They got outscored 27-0. I don't know all the reasons for that, but it, it doesn't make any sense for me that you're tired out in the second quarter, but in the fourth quarter or the, sec- or the second half, that does, that's not apparent. So I guess that's another thing. I want to see – that's a small sample size. I want to see going forward if that continues to rear its head. And if it does, uh, then you obviously have an issue. What that issue is, I'm not sure. But you're supposed to be in better shape than your opponent. So you should not be tying yourself out. Maybe they are. But I want to see what happens in the next few games if they continue to struggle in the second quarter like they have the first two games. It's a good point. Jimmy Himes, he's never tired. He always covers the opponent. (laughs) WNML at Jimmy Himes on Twitter. Jimmy, thank you, man. Let's, uh, Let's do this again soon for sure. I'd love to. Mickey, thanks for having me. Blaine, good to visit with you. You guys take care. Have a great afternoon. Appreciate it, Jimmy. Yes, sir, the OG right there, Jimmy Himes. Uh, Ryan Tannehill spoke, said a bunch of stuff today. Kind of looked forward, kind of looked backward. Let's hear from the Titans quarterback next. It's Blaine and Mickey. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Uh, we always tell you it's your show. It is your show. So when you call, I it, literally I have like a magnet in my finger and it goes straight to the button that answers the Mark's Main Real Estate Hotline. So, Kirk, in Nashville, I mean, I, I got to answer the call. What's going on, man? Hey, what's up? Hey, how, how you doing, Kirk? doing? Good. I just want to tell you, I know the Titans had a bad outing, but they usually do in week one besides the Cleveland game. That Cardinals team, after watching it live and then rewatching it a couple times, they check all the boxes. They are a legitimate contender, and they're going to have a lot of disappointing people when they play them this year. We might need to be giving them the flowers instead of just bashing the Titans. We wasn't ready for that bus off. Just like the call the other day said, I had to rewatch it. They might just be that good. Kirk, I appreciate the phone call. They are good. And it's what's funny was going into the season, everything I could find out about the Cardinals was – People were asking the question, gosh, did they do enough? Does J.J. still have anything in the tank? You know, did they spend – was James Conner a good acquisition? Mm-hmm. You know, did they have enough at cornerback? Should they have done more? And then Malcolm Butler had – he's, well, semi-retired or gone away on personal leave or whatever it is. The question from the Cardinals' point of view was all – because around here it was like, gosh, they did lots of great stuff. Will it all gel together even though they didn't practice? But in, in Arizona it was like, did they do enough? Sure look on Sunday like they did enough. No, this team is a formidable team, and they, you know, they cause all kind of problems offensively with the quarterback, to let alone their receivers. But really, Chandler, Chandler Jones really was the impactful player that really kind of disrupted everything about what the Titans wanted to do on offense, as well as J.J. Watt. And then once they got behind, they kept hammering them offensively. We couldn't stop them getting critical third down stops when needed when we got back into the game. But I want the listener to think about this. Seattle Seahawks. San Francisco 49ers. Who's the other team in there? Uh, they may finish fourth in their division. Yeah. And some t- out of the four teams, one of them won't Rams. make it. The Rams. I'm sorry. Yeah. So they could actually get fourth place in their division because everybody probably split up amongst each other and may not even make the playoffs. Think about that. 
NFC West, by the way, went or no, they're East. No West. They yeah, West. East. NFC West went undefeated. Yeah, all those teams. They the Rams, Forty Nine. They they have a real that that's the that's the toughest division right now. Uh, I think the AFC West went undefeated as well. That's pretty. Hey, if you're out west, you're pretty stout right now. Yeah. So AFC, to know. the college point, they are really good, but they still may not may not make the playoffs that division. because of their division. Uh, Ryan, Tannehill. Uh, Ryan Tannehill <laughs> spoke today, Blaine, and he may have agreed with the caller. He said the Titans essentially got hit in the mouth. I don't, I, I don't know what's tough to say, but I think, you know, we, uh, we kind of got hit in the mouth early, right? And we, we go out and, and didn't get the, get the start that we wanted. And, um, we didn't respond well, you know, it took us whatever, four drives before we moved the ball. So, uh, you know, that's unacceptable. We have to be able to respond quickly. There's going to be games where you come out and don't get the start you want. You go three and out. So what? You have to be able to reset and, and come out the next drive swinging and, and make a play. So, um, you know, that'll be a challenge for us moving forward is if things don't go perfectly, if things don't go well early or at some point in the game, okay, go to the sideline, make the adjustments, and, uh, and come out swinging the next drive. He also got asked today, uh, and I know, Lucas, you got this too, about the impact of the lack of preseason practice together. That's a subject that keeps coming up. Here's the Titans quarterback on that. Yeah, it could have been. You know, I, don't, I don't really know. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. You know, we didn't do it, and, um, and that's on us. So uh, moving forward, we have to be able to respond better, to come out and play our game uh, no matter what's going on, you know, even if things hadn't gone well or if things did go really well, you get a first drive, you can't coast. You have to be able to come out each drive with a purpose, with a passion, and play with energy and uh, play our style of football. It was really interesting, Blaine, because we would talk about this each week during the preseason. Like, gosh, this one team played all their starters in game one. And then the next week's like they played them in week two. Then some played them in week three. Some never played any. Mm-hmm. Everybody had a different strategy. It you, once upon a time, in the regular old four-game NFL, there were a handful of guys that over the years stopped playing in the preseason. But most all teams kind of did it all the same way. A little bit in the first, a little bit more in the second, dress rehearsal in the third, sit the starters in the fourth, let the you know the backups kind of battle for the last few spots. With the three-game preseason, people's strategies were all over the place. And I bet they'll even change again next year as teams adapt to this. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I was saying all along that I thought you should play you know, at least 10 to 12 plays. You know, you had a scrimmage in there that get the guys revved up, but, you know, you just never know. A lot of the teams that did play their players, let's go Tampa Bay, Kansas City, real good teams, they played in the preseason, and then they did fairly well. You know, it's a crapshoot. There were some teams that also played some teams and didn't play. Now, here's the, the hypothetical. See, if you play some guys, a la Baltimore Ravens, yeah. you can get some guys injured and are out for the season. So you really can't win here. You just try to scoot through it some kind of way. And a lot of the players weren't available at times mm-hmm. for the Titans. So not all the players, but some of them weren't. So, you know, do you want to put Tannehill out there and you got, you know, three of the offensive linemen, starters not playing? I probably wouldn't have played them either. Uh, so all of it was about availability uh, of some, and I think it's really the offensive line, and then you want to put your star stud running back quarterback out there uh, and then the uh, receivers were injured so unfortunately I, I feel like they should always play to a certain extent maybe that was their preseason game and now they'll be ready to rock and roll because there's a whole different level of intensity level and speed that goes from preseason scrimmage preseason to regular season 
let alone playoffs and then, you know, Super Bowl. So hopefully they, uh, you know, figure it out and get going. They got another tough opponent, so it doesn't really matter at this point. I, I completely agree. There's nothing else that Tannehill could say. It doesn't really matter. We weren't ready to play. I, I don't know if we would have played the preseason. They bust us in the mouth so bad we couldn't even pick ourselves back up uh, quick enough to respond. Uh, so, yeah, that, you know, that – they just they brought a can of you know what and then they couldn't they couldn't handle it. You know, Chandler Jones had a man, whew, I had never seen anything like that at the pro level. <laughs> Seriously. Where this uh, like, you know I thought of like the one day Derek Thomas had back in the day. Yeah, right. Remember it was against uh, uh was Dave Craig with a quarterback in Seattle at the time? It, I think it was Seattle, yeah. Yeah, he yeah, so three sacks in the first quarter? Man, that's wow. So hey. It happens, but guess what? You can look back and, man, maybe they needed that gut punch. You Hopefully you can look back and say that, uh, and that made them come out and understand that this is how we got to play this season. Not last year, fans. Not last year. Last year was last year. This year is a new year, regardless if it's the same players or not. That's why a lot of people change on the rosters. Some guys may get better, some guys may stay the same, and some guys may start getting crepit, decrepit, and real old with the cane. Mm-hmm. Real quick. So you just never know. We know this. Hour number two is coming up, and Jordan Dejani is set to join us in a little over 20 minutes with NFL headlines. We'll go all around the league with our buddy from CBS Sports. It's Blaine and Mickey. It is 104.5 The Zone.